The Christmas season always makes me think of my dad. My father, Mike, uh, was called home to heaven by the Lord about five, almost five years ago. To this day, I have never met anybody who enjoyed celebrating Christmas more than him. That guy would start playing Christmas music after Labor Day. <laughs> not Thanksgiving, not Halloween. It's September 5th, it's 78 degrees out. He's playing Christmas music. I personally have almost every line of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol committed to memory because it was required reading and viewing in my household growing up. And to this day, anytime somebody uses the expression Christmas Day, I instinctively and reflexively want to say, bah, if you ask me a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Not only that, we lived in Michigan growing up, and if you don't know, if you've ever been to Michigan before, I can nearly guarantee you've seen the billboard sign. The moment you enter into Michigan, uh, the world's largest Christmas store called Bronner's uh, is in this little quaint Bavarian village in Michigan called Frankenmuth. And Bronner's, especially in my dad's later years, was like literally every month he would go to Bronner's. And certainly whenever the kids came home and visited, especially at Christmas. And so I remember one time going home as an adult at Christmas to visit my parents. And of course, we did our pilgrimage outs to Bronner's in Frankenmuth. And, you know, when we first get there, the first thing that we do is we go in and we visit the restroom because it's three hours to walk through Bronner's from beginning to end. It's like walking through the Vatican. Like this is a, you're going to be here for a while. Uh, and they're blaring Christmas music everywhere. They're blaring Christmas music through the bathroom speakers. And uh, so my dad and I stop off at the bathroom, and I remember this. I, so I was at the sink washing my hands, which is where what I'm doing in most of my stories. I'm at the sink washing my hands. And uh, my dad, he's, he's at the urinal, and he's belting out Christmas carols uh, with, this, with the speaker in the restroom. And so he's saying, do you see what I see? And literally, this is no joke, uh, a tourist, an Asian man, for, clearly from out of the country, as he's singing this, steps into the bathroom, has a quizzical look on his face, glances over at me, and immediately backs out of the restroom. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, in any language or culture, that level of celebratory joy in a public restroom is unsettling behavior. <laughs> but he couldn't help himself. He couldn't help himself because he loved Christmas that much. I think for him, it was gathering family together at Christmas. Christmas struck a chord in that man, unlike anybody else I've ever met. And I actually think, you know, maybe to a lesser degree, for most people, there's something about Christmas that is inherently familial. It evokes the sense of family more than any other time of year. And in fact, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon that if you had a wonderful childhood growing up, there's probably not a time of the year that makes you feel more, uh, makes you experience more concept of family and feel more nostalgia than the Christmas season. But even if you didn't have a great childhood growing up, it doesn't make you not think of Christmas it means that when Christmas time comes around, you maybe feel a little bit sad and long for a more like idealized family. Family is such a close association with Christmas that it's always interesting to me around Christmas time, I ask people what their plans are going to be for the holidays. And 
invariably, this is the way people talk today. Christians talk this way. They'll say things like, well, we're, do, we're doing Christmas at my family's today on Christmas Day, and then we're going to do Christmas next weekend at my husband's family, right? Why do people talk that way? We know that the Christmas celebration is affixed to December 25th, so why do we talk that way? It's because there's something inherently and inextricably familial about Christmas. This is why all the Christmas classic movies, from It's a Wonderful Life to Home Alone to Elf, I don't know if you ever noticed it, what's the one common denominator in all of them? It's family reconciliation. Now, why do all the great Christmas movies, why are they all about family reconciliation? It's because deep down inside, in the collective non-conscious of humanity, we know that Christmas really is, in fact, about a family that has been supernaturally reconciled. The prologue to John's gospel, which I'm going to read here in just a minute, has all the recurring themes of the book of John. And one of those major themes is the idea that Jesus is the Son of God and has come to make us the family of God. And if you don't know, John's gospel is actually written a couple decades after the other gospel records. And interestingly and curiously, it doesn't have any of the things that we associate with the Christmas narrative details. So it doesn't have the story of the shepherds out in the field nearby. It doesn't have the star. It doesn't have Bethlehem. It doesn't have, you know, the shepherds and the wise men and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's because by the time John is writing his gospel, all that stuff was already accepted as fact in the Christian community. What John writes to do is give us the meaning of those facts. John's whole gospel is about the meaning of the stuff that we've come to learn. So, for instance, all four of the gospels have the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. John's is the only gospel that has the subsequent story of Jesus' bread of life discourse where he says, that food that I gave to you, that is only pointing to a greater and ultimate food. I am the ultimate bread of life and sustenance for your life. He gives the meaning of stuff. John's gospel gives the meaning of stuff. And interestingly, in the opening verses here, in these famous lines from John 1, where he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things, through him, all things were made. The word translated as word there is, that just doesn't do it justice. Word doesn't do it justice. It's the Greek word logos. It's where we get our word logic from. And it's a really packed word. It's like if somebody says the word freedom today, you kind of have to ask them what they mean by that because it's a loaded concept. In that day, if you said logos, it was a word that was primarily used by philosophers to describe the guiding force of the universe, the meaning of life. And so what John is teaching in his gospel, he's saying every single one of us comes into a darkened world inherently blind to the meaning and purpose of life. And so every human is on this quest to find that meaning. But we cannot find it on our own. Meaning has to find us. He has to find us. Meaning does not come to us naturally. It does not come by what we choose or what we like or what we feel. It has to be given to us. We're on a quest for something that has to be supernaturally given. And the meaning of it is the same thing that all the great Christmas classics point to, the family of God. John is going to write, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, 
but children born of God. What does that mean? To have the rights of God's children. I think you can figure it out best by figuring out what does it mean to have the rights of children, legal children here on earth. As the legal child of Mike Hine, I knew that I would always have clothes and food and shelter. As the legal child of Mike Hine, I knew that no matter how much I screwed up, I would still have a home. I knew that he would do whatever it took to provide warmth and care and protection in my life. I knew I had a place that would make me laugh and a place where I could be myself. I knew who I belonged to, and therefore I knew where I belonged and where I wanted to be. That's by being a legal child of Mike Hine. And Mike was a wonderful, faithful Christian man. I was very, very fortunate. But I also know that on his best day, he only points to someone greater. He was flawed, he was sinful, but he was redeemed, and he pointed to a perfect father. As God's legal children bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, we possess the exact same rights as our redeeming brother, Jesus. We have the right to peace in life. We have the right to peace in life because we've been supernaturally made right with God. We have the right to confidence in this world because we have a sovereign God who works out all things for our good. We have the right to contentment and hope in a scary world because we know our future is better than our present, certainly better than our past. We have a right to calm in this world because our anxieties are best processed by leaving them in the hands of the one who attends all things with our best interest in mind. We have the right to laughter because the unfortunate foibles of this world cannot hurt us with any lasting impact. We have the right to contentment because we know that even if the world is not impressed, every single thing that we do has meaning and purpose and eternal impact. And most important of all, we know we have the right of eternal paradise with God because our Savior has come to remove all the sins that separated us from our Heavenly Father. We've been supernaturally reconciled, just like the movies, and our inheritance as God's children is primarily a home. It's primarily a home, a home with Father God himself where we will live the life that really is life. The prologue of St. John illuminates the incarnation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to this light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, this world did not, and continues by nature, to not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thanks be to God. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.